You are listening to the Remote Local Podcast. Learn the best tips to build a local business you can run from anywhere in the world and get the financial and location freedom you desire. Welcome to the show. What is up, podcast listeners? Here for another episode of the Remote Local Podcast. I'm your host, Neil Parekh. And with me, I have, drumroll, David, who is back. What is up, David? What's happening, Neil? Dude, good to hear your voice, man. It's been months. Thank you. It has been quite a while. We we are definitely off our game because it literally took us 20 minutes to set up this stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's my fault <laughs> you're just a monk now man you can't use technology <laughs> exactly like what is what is this how, how do you open a computer yeah so in case you listen to this podcast and you started listening within the last couple of months uh david is the original co-host of the remote local podcast and david what were you doing since the beginning of the year just let the listeners know yeah, so I went to a meditation teacher training um, and was pretty much off grid for three and a half months. Three and a half months. Jeez. And um, a little background on David, if you don't know much about him, he runs a pretty large locksmith companies. I think he's rolled up close to 15 individual locksmith company operations, accounts, things like that. So a lot of experience with local business. Uh, he also used to, same as me, travel travel and work remotely as well. So definitely the prototype for a remote local type of business. He's also the owner of Made This Denver. And now he's a monk. I'm just going to keep calling you a monk, man. I know you're not, but I'm going to keep calling you a monk. <laughs> uh, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it, man. Um, if you guys want to learn more about David and how he actually was able to go off the grid completely, uh, one of the previous episodes I believe episode 30 is when I interviewed David and talked about how he got all his businesses to run an autopilot without him. So he can go do meditation teacher training, which he did. And and that's awesome. So in this episode, um, I'm actually going to be talking with David a little bit more interview style, just about his experience. And I haven't fully caught up with him on this either. So I really, really want to learn more about what he went through and how that relates to life, to business, everything. So David, I'm stoked to have you on, man. Me too. So much fun. Yeah. David, uh, let's dive straight into it if you're cool with it. I would love to hear, um, first of all, can you explain what was this specific meditation uh, teacher training that you went to overall? Like what what did it involve? What did you do every day? What was the actual course called? Anything about it? Yeah, yeah. So it's the, the tradition is called Vedic meditation. Mm-hmm. And it was Vedic meditation teacher training. Um, and uh, the teacher, my teacher is called Tom Knowles. And uh He's uh, now a, a pretty old guy. He's in his 70s. And um, he learned directly from a teacher called Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who came mm-hmm. into the West in the 1960s and taught the Beatles and the Beach Boys and in, in large really made meditation popular um, in, in the West. Um, and so the teacher training, it's actually the same teacher training that has been taught by Maharishi in the sixties and ever since, mm-hmm. um, same format, trying to keep things as authentic as possible to the OG way that it has been done. Um, that the way that my teacher Tom learned from Maharishi 
60 years ago, 55 or 60 years ago. Um, so yeah, the format is 24 seven. It's trying to pack in as much uh, learning as possible into those three months where all of us take a break from life and go full in. And so it includes many hours of meditation. Um, the peak was about 14 hours for a day for almost a month. Oh my God. And, and in addition to that, we were learning Sanskrit and a lot of knowledge about meditation and the tradition um, and all of that. Tavi, can you describe why you decided to do this? Yeah. So for me, meditation was a real game changer in my life. I've had a pretty intense, high-performing life from the military in Israel and then as a scrappy entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, and it had some side effects that weren't so enjoyable, like stress and some difficulty sleeping and you know having a lot of ups and downs. And when I learned Vedic meditation, that's when I really felt a, a big turnaround in my life where everything just became so much better, was able to release the stress, sleep better. And that those, you know, two times a day meditating 20 minutes each time uh, with the, the Vedic mantra uh, was a direct thing that helped transform my life and just make everything so much more enjoyable. And then interestingly, also increase my capacity as an entrepreneur. So I think before I started meditating, I would have these full on days, you know, working 12 hours a day, maybe more, and just feeling like I'm constantly running like a headless chicken. Mm -hmm. And then by making time to meditate, it actually allowed me to just be able to be a lot more aware and apply 80-20 principles. And it actually gave me more time in the day while being more effective and, and getting more things done and enjoying it more. So because it was such a big game changer for me and just feeling all areas of life, including uh, relationship and, and health also improve, um, it became clear for me that I want to focus on teaching others the same thing and, uh, and, and sharing that. And in the Vedic meditation community, there's a really high bar you know, mm -hmm. to become a meditation teacher, you have to meditate for a couple of years yourself and then have a bunch of courses and prerequisites and then take off three months and, and go into a full-on program. Hmm. Um, so I just really wanted to do that. Pretty simple. Yeah. It's it, pretty simple is, is, is a very simplistic way of saying it, David. And I think one thing I um, really appreciate and respect about what you did is you did a complete pivot in your career, and for from the outside looking in, it's almost like oh, David, you know, did this on the whim. He just like wanted to kind of go and flow with it. I'm sure there's a lot of background which led to this, right? But ever since I've known you, you've always been the very calm guy who's very collected. That's probably because I met you after you've already started this practice. But mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's there's a lot there. A lot of what you're saying is so true. With once you get into, let's say, meditation, mindfulness, just being more aware of your emotions, you can make more clear decisions. And those, each decision is not equal, right? Like if you're just spinning the hamster wheel and you're making tons of decisions a day, working 12 hours a day, it's it's possible that, that doesn't move forward the company much. But if you step back and make a few key decisions from a place of calm and peace, 
that could actually move forward the company massively. And that's kind of what I've seen for you from you in the last three years is huge transformation in that part. And you just started rolling up companies, going bigger, working less, right? So I think you're a prime example of there doesn't have to be a correlation with time and stress as well as growth. I think that's a key lesson I've learned from just being around you, which is really, really cool to hear. Uh, but I think more than that, David, I think it's uh, also empowering for me and the audience to hear how once you figured out that you were on a path and you were very successful being an entrepreneur, but that's not what you wanted to do, you had the courage to go and pivot and do something else and be okay with it. Can you walk me through that thought process? And like, was that a tough decision for you? Or was it one day you're like, oh, I think I'll just go be a meditation teacher. Like how, how did <laughs> that process work? Yeah. Uh, beautiful question. I think it was definitely a few years in the making. So at some point I realized that I enjoy the consciousness journey that I've been on of personal development, of meditation and spirituality, and seeing that that becomes more and more my main passion and less and less just the business or, or travel aspects that I feel that I already got a lot from. Hmm. So in having more interest and desire to just spend my time and deepen in those journeys, it becomes very natural to also want to be able to do that for other people. So I think the first thing thing I started doing was coaching and and started doing that, you know, on the side and and really enjoyed it. Um, and then I just kept looking for more and more ways. How can I um, increase this part of my life of giving back, of service, of working with others on their personal lives? Um, and a little bit less from the business and then slowly it happened. And I think you also met me pretty soon after I got back from, before I became a meditation teacher, I also became a breathwork facilitator. Mm. So that was also kind of one step in that journey. So to, to answer your question, it's been more of a gradual shift over the past year and a half or two years. Mm. Accumulating in the shift, at least in your goals. Now, David, I'm curious if you see... I feel like there's a lot of identity wrapped up in being an entrepreneur, right? Uh, and identity is a dangerous thing because it's hard to shake your identity if you tie your identity to a career or whether you're a meditation teacher or an entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. You're tying your identity to that, meaning it's hard to break away from that. Do you mm. consider yourself an entrepreneur still? Do you consider yourself a meditation teacher? If someone has to come up to you and say, hey, what do you do? What would you say? Yeah, so I think right now because I'm most passionate about being a meditation teacher, I say that I'm a meditation teacher, mm -hmm. but if it comes up, I will also consider myself an entrepreneur and, and say that I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and about the identity, I agree. It's it's such a big thing that we can really get attached to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really helpful to cultivate uh, a good sense of who and, and what I am that's separate from any company, any business, any income, because any company, any business, any income can fluctuate and you know, can have a hard time in your industry, a good time in your industry, and having our happiness and sense of self attached to it is just a recipe for disaster at one point or the other. And hmm. it's also a more limited understanding of, of who we really are. And we don't have to go, you know, it can be a, a pretty long rabbit hole into who we are and what we are that, that is more than just a physical body that we live in. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, I think we can all agree that any 
business that we're making, any job that we have, that is a product of who we are. So we are the person, the entrepreneur that started the business. So if the business, you know, goes kaput, then we can start a new one. We are the source of of anything that we created. So that's kind of the sense of self and identity that I think is is better to have and and leads to more happiness and less suffering over the long term. And one way that I like to think about this is my purpose in life is really being on this journey of life, on this exploration, um, expansion, and growing my consciousness and evolving. So this evolution that I came here to do, and that doesn't really change throughout my entire life. That's my true purpose, is to, to be here fully, to evolve, and to enjoy this ride of called life. And then my mission, that can change. So three years ago, my mission was to expand my local companies and invest and buy companies. Mm-hmm. And now my mission is to be a meditation teacher. Interesting. So different form, your purpose from what you're saying is exploration. Is that entrepreneurship? Is that meditation teacher? Whatever. Like it doesn't matter what that, the end product is, which is kind of the mission, which can change. So your current mission has changed, but the purpose of why you're here in your mind is the same exploration of life is that's what you're saying. Yes. Exploration of life, evolution, expansion, the essence is the same. Interesting. So David, um, for everyone listening, if they don't know your plans, just to clarify, you are actually going to stop your mission of being an entrepreneur, maybe not fully. So I do want to talk about that and start a new mission of being a meditation teacher. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, black and white. So mm-hmm. I'm still curious to what extent being an entrepreneur is going to be helpful on the being a meditation teacher path because that also is a business. Mm. Um and then also there can be a transition time. So I'm I'm really listening to what's true um in terms of involvement in the businesses and how long to to stay in them. And the the thing is that in the past, I used to have a more limited mindset that said business entrepreneurship, that's time consuming and I'm no longer passionate about it. And mm-hmm. what I'm really passionate about is meditation. But then in reality, still, for example, both of two of my, actually all of my business partners right now are Vedic meditation t- um, students and, and are practicing. But two of them, I got to initiate since I came back from the training. Mm-hmm. And now the businesses potentially are transforming because of that. And next week, one of the employees of the locksmith company is going to um, take a course with me as well. So there's also a lot of you know potential touch points where things can play along together. And the reality is that the businesses right now are a beautiful way for me to focus even more on meditation because I'm not worried about where rent is going to be paid for from and my expenses are taken care of so they're still playing a beautiful role even in advancing my my passion for teaching meditation Hmm. so you plan to continue both maintain the current businesses you have but maybe not go further along that path um and do meditation teaching right it's not a this or this it's both right and just looking to see what ends up being the highest excitement and the best outcome and just keeping meditation as a as a priority. 
Wow. Do you, um, so two questions with this. So kind of summarizing meditation and that type of teaching is your priority. I would almost call it in some ways thinking about it as a new business. You're starting a new business, new career. That's what you're doing, but you're still keeping what you have going with your, with the remote local businesses still going, still cash flowing, still doing well. Um, so a couple questions. One, do you think it is a, and I'm wording this strongly on purpose. It is a disservice to your locksmith company that you're no longer super involved. And do you think the businesses will suffer because of that or the complete opposite? I'm just curious on how you think about that because I think a lot of times when people want to leave their business or their previous career but still kind of stay around, you might have feelings of guilt with that career transition. I'm curious how you think about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way I think about it, I actually think that the businesses might uh, actually benefit from it. And the reason is that before it was a little bit more murky. I was in and kind of out at the same time. Mm-hmm. But because I was gone for three months, it made it really clear I'm out. Yep. And so my business partners were able to take a lot more ownership and accountability for what's happening on the day-to-day. And because they are motivated to, to be in the business and do what they're doing, it's currently their mission and what they're passionate about then the business is receiving even more love and care. Um, before, I, I wasn't a very good daddy for the business. Got it. <laughs> so it's almost like, I, regardless of if you're doing meditation teaching or not, it's almost like you stepping out of the business to do whatever you want to do, if it's not another career, I think is a beneficial step for anyone. Even if you want to continue down the entrepreneurship path, sometimes you can't always be involved in your business. Being unavailable is oftentimes the best thing you can do for your business to get to that next level of entrepreneurship. In David's case, it's not the next level of entrepreneurship. It's, an, it's, it's a different career, but the concept is the same. Becoming more unavailable is actually better after a certain size uh, to help your business grow. Absolutely. Yeah. David, I do want to talk about what you learned during the experience when you're there. I mean, three months is intense, dude. And like, 14 hour days of meditation for a whole month. Like, can you tell me a little bit about maybe, I don't know if you had a realization or epiphany or more of a gradual understanding of things. So we'd love to hear your opinions and like what you've thought about let's life business, what you're doing. I'll kind of let you take the wheel on this and let's see where the conversation goes. But yeah, curious what you realized during these three months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think the main one of the key insights that I had during that time and key experiences was at the end of the day, a lot of the most important things in our life and what makes the most difference is nothing that happens on the outside. A lot of it is actually what's going on on our internal landscape. So mm-hmm. to give you an example, we there's a lot of talk about stress. And almost anybody in our Western society is experiencing it to one level or the other. Mm -hmm. And stress can also be viewed at just physiologically. So the body is having a stress response many times because it thinks there is a threat against us as if we saw a tiger in the wild. But in reality, it's just a customer that's upset or a coworker or a boss or my life partner that wants something from me. And then my body tenses up and starts producing stress chemistry and you know preparing, preparing for battle. Mm-hmm. And that has both an emotional effect that doesn't feel good. And then there's also a physiological effect where our body stores 
the accumulated impact from all of those stress chemicals and um, and and emotional stress. So the beauty of it is just the realization that the same exact thing can happen to two people. So say somebody honks at me on the highway, mm-hmm. right? So right now in my very relaxed physiology and and life, somebody honks at me. I'm like, oh, you know, they're having a bad day. Um, let, let me you know, move over so they can pass. Mm-hmm. In my early 20s in Israel, I would like get really angry <laughs> about yeah. that person. Right. Uh, so that's actually the same person, same. Th- but let's say, you know, someone else who was just next to me and heard the same honk, they could have that fuming reaction. So it's not right. about what's happening on the outside. It's about what's happening on the inside. Now, through going to the extreme and being in a remote place and, and more uh, secluded from the day to day demands and pretty much just my job was to meditate and, and study for three months it really helped me see how much of the things that are happening on our day-to-day are not what they seem. So the stress is one example and realizing that pretty much whatever happens to us from the outside world uh, and then how we react to it, it's all about what's happening on the inside. Mm -hmm. But then also seeing that I would have, you know, I think every normal person that's, that's listening to this, when something happens, you know, um, somebody, um, let's say it's something financial, having bills that we didn't plan for, or mm-hmm. um, having a fight with our life partner or, or something like that, there tends to be this story that we build on what's happening. And then we kind of carry that story around with us and tell it to all of our friends right? and maybe go to therapy for it. And we have all these emotions and it can take us a few days sometimes or, or sometimes longer to really process all of that and be at the other side, kind of hitting the reset button. Mm. So my experience in the meditation and doing so many hours of meditation was that the biggest thing that you can imagine Um, And I had a few of those kind of drop in um, from the external world and from some things that I experienced throughout the meditation would come in. Let's say, you know, your uh, investment portfolio drops by 50% or -hmm. something like that, right? So that can trigger a really strong emotional response and a stress response that might take a while to get through. But my experience from the meditation was by doing so much meditation and by really surrendering and and letting go, I had the experience of just processing that, just feeling the emotion, letting it go, and that completely passing within an hour. Mm. So so that experience helped crystallize how nothing that's happening on our day-to-day necessarily has to be a big deal. And no matter what happens, we have the potential to process it in less than an hour or a few hours or overnight just by focusing on just feeling it, letting it go. And of course, the meditation practice is really helpful in having that reset and and releasing stress. I love it. And and to summarize what you're saying would be going through the three months and extreme three months where you're probably processing emotions, um, high emotions, any negative emotions very fast because you're in that type of Zen environment. You almost realize 
holy crap, um, this is like I could process this way faster than I can in the matrix, which is real life. Um, so now you're able to bring that knowledge back to the matrix and realize that, hey, it is possible to process this extremely fast, which allows you to do it generally in a much better way, more effective way, which I think in turn helps you lead, um, I don't like the term a happier life, but just a more content, more like centered life, right? As opposed to being at whims of where what what's happening on the external realm. And I mean, I'd probably even mm-hmm. relate this to um, entrepreneurship in some ways where if you're able to have that, you can make more impactful decisions quicker. Meaning we talked about earlier is uh, not all decisions are made equal. There's an 80-20 in terms of decisions to make. So let's say David, for example, is working less on his businesses now, but he's able to process things faster. So let's say a recession happens and someone needs to make a quick decision from a centered place. David could probably get there quicker, make the big decisions and have the company move much faster as opposed to how he might've been in his early twenties, working 12 hours a day, hustling and making a lot of decisions, but maybe not all impactful. So mm-hmm. that's a big way where I think just being centered and actually being able to get to that place helps entrepreneurship so much, which is why you see a lot of the big time CEOs really, really getting into meditation and really, really getting into a place where they're centered. So David, it's really cool. That, I mean, literally within three months, you're able to get to that area more than, faster than 99% of people in the world, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the other things I love about it is that you're then you can become, for me as a meditation teacher, I can now be that space for other people. So no matter what happens in your life, you can mm-hmm. come and talk to me and I can hold that perspective and you know whatever you're ready to see it, help you see that as well. Hmm. How do you think this is... Um, so that was kind of a realization... And one takeaway you've gotten out of it, how do you think that cascades into multiple areas of life? There's business, career, wealth, relationships, friends, and family. Like there's so many different aspects of what you're doing. Can you talk about how that one realization and one lesson you think is going to cascade? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's more interesting to say about how it's been cascading. So because Perfect. even better. I because I'm now an upgraded version of myself with right. a bigger perspective bigger ability to process more awareness than anyone that I'm in relationship with. Mm-hmm. I bring that new, um, dare I say, energy into the relationship. Yeah. Um, and then it completely transforms some of the patterns that were there before. And and then there is a reaction. Sometimes the reaction is, you know, I, I don't like this and this is, you know, too much change. Uh, and then it just means that there is something, a challenge there that's that's happening and that the other side is experiencing. But in many cases, it's actually a very pleasant change that then when we talked about the businesses, all of a sudden seeing things in new light, doing things differently in a way that's even more evolutionary and can lead to better results and more ease as well. I love it. I love it. David, what's next for you, man? Yeah. So like I said, focusing on teaching and um, yeah, just having meditation courses. And I'm also going to be going to Israel in July and teaching in Israel in, in Hebrew. That's also one of my, was one of my drives to become a Vedic meditation teacher and to bring this wow. to Israel. Um, and also a lot of adventure. So going on a road trip for a few weeks, um, assisting in a meditation uh, retreat of my my teacher Tom Knowles in Sedona. Wow! Uh, and then also going to Burning Man this year. 
You're living life, man, enjoying it and doing everything you want to do. That's incredible. That's the plan. Yeah. Um, so for everyone listening, uh, David was the co-host and, uh, you know, his life mission has changed right now and I love it. And so David will no longer be the co-host of the remote local podcast. So David, partially this interview, partially a farewell. And thank you for the last year of being a freaking awesome co-host on the remote local podcast. Yeah, it's been such a blast, Neil. So thank you so much for this journey. And I'm so happy to see you continue on, on this journey um, and just, yeah, I learned so much and had so much fun um, being the, the co-host. And it just is the natural evolution for me to, to focus on the meditation and to hand this baby off to you fully. Oh, I'll, I'll take good care of it, David. Uh, <laughs> David, I, if you are doing coaching, I'm not sure if you have a, a meditation in terms of, or uh, have a website in terms of meditation, coaching, meditation, teaching, but um, if you do have it, I'm going to put it in the show notes along with David's um, social media handle so you could follow him and continue following his journey. I'm sure, you know, if you want to reach out to him regarding meditation, teaching, learning about medic meditation, please reach out. He's going to be the biggest superstar in Israel as it relates to Vedic meditation. So get in early. Beautiful. Thank you, Neil. And yeah, the, the website is just davidlahav.com. And uh, in terms of social media, it's Hey David LA on uh, Instagram. Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. David, all thanks right. for hopping on, man. Beautiful. Thank you, Neil. Thanks again for listening, guys. There are two ways I could help you out. Number one is with May This Franchise. If you want to get into business but don't want to go at it alone, we have you covered with everything from A to Z. Check out madethisfranchise.com to start your own remote local business. The next is with the Remote Local Blueprint, which is a course I launched to teach you the foundations of starting your own remote local business in any niche. It's do-it-yourself at your own pace, and you can check that out at blueprint.beremotelocal.com.